if everything works there, especially the audio. Is it ruhig zurzeit? Apparently. Let's reload that shit and have a look if there is anything happening. Hello? Hello, hello. darling. Hello, hello, hello. darling. Hello, darling, my old friend. Apparently it is working. <laughs> hello, darling, my old friend. Apparently it is working. <laughs> Which is amazing. So I can turn off my volume. And let's actually have a look. I don't really know what to go through. Uh, there probably is something. There probably is something that I want to do. But I just don't know. Um, so hello and welcome back to another episode of the Self-Development with Tactics podcast. Today yet another episode probably going through something by Derek Sivers. An amazing site and also amazing person. Um, as Tim Ferriss often points out, which is then really interesting. When this guy says that another guy is really interesting, then I think this just means something that he is. Derek Sivers is an American writer and programmer, former entrepreneur and musician. He is best known for starting CD Baby, which was kind of Spotify back in the days, some sort of, not really, but some sort of. Um, but yeah, let's have a look what he is. No, we could actually straight go to the book notes, then sort by newest and uh, then check out what he's talking about recently. Amazing. Nice. I think the quality should be... Can I, can I change that? Why? My base thing. <laughs> my base thing is full HD and my output is HD. I don't get it. But I think it is okay. <laughs> or something. I don't know at this point. Anyway. The audio is working. Uh, this, the picture is also working or the, the background, whatever it is, the secret of story, philosophy, a complete introduction by Sharon Cave, Nietzsche, a complete introduction by Roy Jackson, clear summary and explanation of Nietzsche's writing. I've listened to a whole audiobook course on Nietzsche and read another summary of his philosophy, but this book explains it best. Um, I would actually like to check that out. My notes. This, by the way, is rated 7 out of 10, which is fairly okay. Um, the other philosophy thing that I've seen here on the front page was a 9 out of 10, if I remember it correctly. So um, it is fine, I guess. Or it should be fine, I think. Um, let's see. Does it work better like this? Might be. Might be the case, you know, because I'm still hearing myself in my, in, uh, in my headphones. Does it matter if I'm doing this or that? I don't know. Um, let's just have a look. Nietzsche was attacking a belief in objective faith, but also a belief in objective values or truths. 
their reluctance to face the reality of their situation is self-deception. We must choose our own values, which I think is a great point. Um, we are also in control of our values. We choose our values and whatever we value is then what we value and what matters then for us. Nietzsche writes so that his reader can dip into his books as if they were jumping into a glacial stream that is in and out quickly with the expectation that the experience will be remembered for some time to come. Analytical Analytic philosophy aligns itself with science and focuses on clarification of terms rather than producing more whole systems of philosophy. Nietzsche uh, assumes that his reader is already familiar with philosophy, which I think is fair. Um, I really doubt and I... I mean, I couldn't care less, basically. Um, if he thought that if he believed in that, I I would assume that, yeah, you know, why not? Um, this then basically is the person and or the, the group of people that he wants to talk to, you know, people that already know about philosophy, people that already know about shit. Kant argues that there are two worlds, the world of phenomenon or appearance and the world of nomena or reality. Like wearing irremovable spectacles that make you see the world unlike how it really is, Kant concluded that there is the world of appearance that we impose through irremovable spectacles. And there is the world as it really is, which we cannot perceive. Kant argues that if there is an apparent world, there must also be a real world. I think apparent world or... Um, this world that just uh, maybe seems to be a certain world, a certain place, probably occurs or is there because of our assumptions, because of our thoughts, because of whatever is in our head. Um, I think it just makes sense. It's, it's very clear to me that we all have, first of all, blind spots and we all have certain filters active all the time and we're filtering out certain things you know whether this is good or bad i think really depends i guess filtering sometimes can be good um but obviously can also be really bad you know if i'm filtering out that i'm just a dumbass and a douchebag that's not that great you know or many more things um in the end as well i i'd assume that we have to filter because there is so much information and uh, we also by nature filter things you know we can't see infrared light uh, we can't see this that and the other thing we can can't hear uh, certain tones um, certain wavelengths uh, that's just what it is but um, I think cognitively speaking it is still uh, a bit of a different thing I guess I don't know but yeah Something like that. I guess. I don't know. Schopenhauer believed that it is possible to know the nominal. The world as it is perceived is the creation of the mind that perceives it. In other words, the world is my idea. Schopenhauer equates the real world with the T who has the idea. Ideas are 
appearance are body and other objects or ideas equal to appearance and appearance equals to body and other objects the t that has the idea equals reality which equals will the world is a duality schopenhauer saw consciousness as the mere surfaces of our minds under the conscious intellect is the unconscious will, which is a striving, persistent force. It may seem that the intellect drives the will, but it is in fact the other way around. When you desire something, it is not because you have found a good reason to desire it, but rather that you desire something first and then establish reasons to cloak those desires. Denying the will, which is the only reality, and being left with ideas which are not real, is extinction in the self. This philosophy now enters the realms of I'm sorry, ascetic sainthood and Schopenhauer reveals the influence of Buddhism. Nietzsche's greatest, most mature works dawn from 1981, I'm sorry, 1881, attacks the idea that the morality has any objective bias. The gay science in 1882 first declares the death of good. Thus spoke Zarathustra, that I, by the way, went through for a bit, not fully on a podcast as some sort of an audiobook. Uh, talks of the Superman, Superman or Uberman. Beyond God and Evil from 1886 brings together all of his philosophy in the most systematic way. His aphorisms were brought together and published as Human, All to Human from 1878 and Dawn from 1881. I really do love aphorisms. Um, it is a great thing to go through on a podcast, I think, because uh, it just sparks interest and it sparks ideas and topics to talk about and to, to add to when there is something to add. Rees' view of existence as having no ultimate meaning led him to pessimism or into pessimism, whereas it tended to liberate Nietzsche. Nietzsche saw the villa as a monastery for three spirits. In Sorrento, I shook off nine years of moss. The three, the three, the three free spirits worked on their books. So three, and they are free, those spirits. Nietzsche, in line with how he perceived the ancient Greeks and the original purpose of philosophy, believed that his writings were not intended to be mere expositions of a philosophical point of view, but transforming consciousness-raising exercises. He believed that those who read his books could be seduced into a new way of life, which might actually be the case. And uh, I do sometimes still have hopes <laughs> when I'm reading something, but it is a book or something else, that um, it changes me in such a way that I'm seeing things differently than before. And I think this can work um, if it works lastingly if this is even a word um for an extended period of time i don't really know um and one shouldn't necessarily care about that too much either because you can just read the book again you know if it kind of wears off after a week and two weeks read the book again or those passages that you really enjoy um which i've come to realize is quite often the case you know people read books um, multiple times, sometimes once a year, you know, for some people, some books are so essential and important that this makes sense. 
But with that being said, I'm probably going to end the episode here. I'm hopefully going to see you the next time as well. So, bye-bye.